0: You talking to me? Welcome to The Right Note, a podcast dedicated to the independent author.
1: From the craft of storytelling to the business side of publication, we cover it all.
0: I'm Jay Ryan Fenzel.
1: And I'm Kira F. Jacobs.
0: And this is The Right Note. We all love movies.
1: And we all have lines from our favorites that we like to quote. But why is that?
0: On today's episode, we're going to dig into it.
1: Welcome back to The Right Note. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at The Right Note Podcast. And if you like what you hear, pop a nice comment in on Podchaser.
0: Thanks, Kira. This is our first regular format episode. And the first couple episodes we did, we're kind of introducing ourselves and, and, and letting you, letting you folks know who we are and why we're doing this. I want to say that there are a lot of writing podcasts out there. So we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to us, but in, in all the podcasts, I've noticed that the really good ones have a very clear sense of who they are and who their audience is. And they speak to that audience in a fun and engaging way. And, uh. A couple of examples: Parents Who Write, hosted by Aaron P. T. Canning, is a is a podcast targeting. Well, it's all in the title: Parents who want who want to write, who have a passion for writing. And I thought that was just a brilliant niche to target, because Kira, you are the are the mother of a toddler, and yes, you went through many. You did, yeah, absolutely, and you went through many of the things that that Aaron's talked about on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like uh, finding time and balancing writing with being a mother.
1: Yeah, super hard. It's super hard to find time. And I think anyone who is a parent writing at home kind of needs advice because it doesn't come naturally. You know, you got to make time for it. So uh, podcasts like that are extremely helpful for, for parents at home.
0: All right. And then uh, another one uh, example uh, is called Writing Momentum and it's hosted by Chris and Gina Maselli. And there are a couple of authors and they're a husband and wife team. They have great chemistry together on air, and they give a wide variety of topics from uh, helping authors find deals, uh, like during sales, and then getting into the nuts and bolts of writing. And they have a full, wide range of episodes, and it's very well done, very easy to listen to. So, and, and, And I mention these two because the spirit of what they do and how they do it is kind of what we're trying to get to here on The Right Note where first and foremost, we really want to have fun with these conversations, kind of show our passion for writing, and share those conversations with other people who enjoy that too. And with that, I want to slide into our first installment of our opening segment called Character is King.
1: Which I'm very excited about.
0: Me too. And in this segment, in each month, we're going to open our podcast episodes with this. Kira and I are each going to share a favorite fictional character from either books or films or TV series or even poems. and we explain why we feel that uh, these characters are outstanding creations? To start off, Kira, I'm going to let you do the first Character is King selection.
1: Perfect. Okay, well, do you want me to pick... I have two characters in my mind. Do you want me to pick a hero or a villain?
0: That's not how we do this, Kira. You pick.
1: Okay, <laughs> I am.
0: Uh, and <laughs> you can do the next one next episode.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, I have two picked, and I was going back and forth between which one I wanted to do because one is a well loved character, and one is probably well hated, but also loved. And so I think I'm going to go with that one because that's a little more interesting. And guess who it is? It is Kylo Ren from the Star Wars franchise. And the reason I picked. I picked him is because I love me a villain that ends up making a good decision. I love when villains are 3D. They're not just like, oh, he's a bad guy. And, you know, you just hate him because that's how he is. Like, he actually has a past. He has he makes decisions that he regrets. And you honestly you really do like not like him. And then as you learn more about him and he's like, you
0: You can't like him. He killed Han Solo.
1: But did you see how he struggled with that? He really did. Like he is a real person. Like as much as like you do hate him because he's a villain. He struggled with that. that. (laughs)
0: He he definitely, he definitely had struggles and they definitely portrayed that in the films. And that was good about him. He was a, he was a good three-dimensional character.
1: He was. And I mean, I'm sorry, there's going to be a spoiler here. How he helps Ray at the end of the movie when they are fighting Palpatine. That was so great. That was so great. Like, I live for that moment.
0: And he turned, right? He turned yes. to, the, to the, I guess that would be the light side, right?
1: Yes, because of the inner <laughs> struggles. He was a good villain. I love a good villain. So that was, that was my pick for a character as king because... I would love to see more Kylo Ren, even though he's, you know, a villain.
0: Well, it is a sci-fi movie, so they could bring him back. They could bring him back. (laughs)
1: It's always in the cards.
0: What's funny is uh, I'm kind of in the same genre as you with my pick. And when I say it, it's going to be a no-brainer. But my first pick for Characterist King is Mr. Spock.
1: Oh my gosh, I was um I almost picked that one. I really did because you know, I love him. So, anyway, I almost That's picked right. him.
0: <laughs> well, that would have been awkward, but here. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, that the thing about Spock is Gene Roddenberry created this character who was half human and half Vulcan. And and he made the Vulcans were like they kept their emotions in check. And that allowed his character in, in, a, in an ironic way, it allowed his character to really examine human emotions and, and, and what it meant to have them or what it meant to not have them, you know, and and, and and how they govern our lives in so many ways. And it was just a brilliant move to have Mr. Spock, this, this half and half um, person struggling with his, basically with his humanity when he wasn't human. Right. And, yeah. and it really gave us and that's what the science fiction really does best is it, it allows us to look at a condition, either the human condition or society or something. And we look at it kind of in a, in a way that you can't if, it, if you're doing it directly um, to a real situation today, then you get people get into left and right and politics and, and, and social uh, whatever. But with sci-fi, you can look at things from uh, 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 through a mirror, I guess, in, in a slightly different way. And it's you're more open-minded to see things. And, and I think that's something Mr. Spock really helped, helped us do is to kind of realize uh, the power of our emotions and, 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 and all. Anyway, Mr. Spock was my first pick.
1: Well, he's a wonderful pick. He is clearly loved by everyone. I don't. If if I meet somebody who doesn't like Mr. Spock, I probably am not their friend. Anyway, I digress. We love Spock.
0: <laughs> well, no, the funniest thing is not funny. It wasn't funny. It was.
1: I know what you're going to say.
0: Yes, when when Leonard Nimoy passed away,
1: <gasps> I cried at my locker in high school.
0: My phone blew up at work. It was like someone in my family died because my friend called and you called. I like him. it too, though. But yeah, that was was a
1: That was a hard day Cried all the way home, I remember that
0: (laughs) So that's our first Character as King segment Now we are going to head into the main topic Which I teased at the beginning of the show And uh, I'm going to play some Clips here
1: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn Toto I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore Hey, Luke
0: May the force be with you. Dear, what do these bits of dialogue have in common?
1: They stand out and they are timeless.
0: They are all movie quotes that are so well written in terms of character, situation, and tone. And they are so well executed by the actor, the director, and the editor that they became the key embodiment of the entire movie. Or they encapsulated the very core of the character speaking. But there's more. I'm not going to say what there's I'm Not going to say what more. Okay, <laughs>
1: sorry. I'm following. I'm following. <laughs> so I'm like,
0: like I said, <laughs> jump in anytime. <laughs> but there's more. Holy crap! <laughs> These lines resonated with the audience so powerfully that they transcended the film and became common touch points in popular culture for years or even generations.
1: Yeah. And we all have lines from movies that we love to quote. So today we are going to share some of our favorites and share why we love them so much.
0: I think one of the things I remember fondly when in my my teen years and even growing into uh, adulthood and things, my friends and I would love to quote lines from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it just seemed like we knew every line of that film and it was fun to do because we knew it. And it was like, kind of like a touch point with all of us, you mm-hmm. know, And what it's like what, an what,
1: inside joke, but with the entire world, that's basically. Yeah. What but it that's means. the
0: thing. That's the thing here because I thought it was just my group of friends when I was younger, but then I realized that so many other people had the same lines and the same, they had the same impact on them that it did on us. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's kind of cool that, you know, the this this movie, these lines, these characters, they've they've resonated with these with so many people, you know, and it was amazing to me. And then I, you know, as I got older, I would notice this happening more and more with, with other movies and other characters and other lines. So um I thought it would be a really interesting uh topic to kind of start with, a fun topic to start with, because really these lines, these lines are I mean, they all start as words on paper. They all start as written written lines, right? And the thing about them is, for the screenplay writer, the reason that these lines are so so impactful is that they really they really were in tune with the character speaking them, right? And they were in tune with the the the, the situation the character was in. It just it was it's just good writing. It, it's good like an example of really good writing. So let's get into some of these picks here. All right, I will start. And this is one that I think it's one of those lines that people know it, even though they may not have seen the movie, they know it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's uh,
1: curious to know which one you picked for the first one.
0: Well, the first one I'm going to tell you is if you build it, they will come.
1: Ah, Tell us where that's from. Well, it,
0: it's a mysterious voice in the Field of Dreams, although I think it's shoeless Joe Jackson who's actually supposed to be singing it. But I guess Field of Dreams, most people know, it's about a guy who hears these voices and he tells them to build a baseball diamond. And when he does, these spirits from these old baseball players came out of the field and actually played a game on the baseball diamond. It, I mean, if you think about it like that, it was kind of an odd story, right? Yeah. But something about that line, if you build it, they will come it just resonated with people and 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 you start hearing it kind of for other things in in, in life right
1: um, yeah. and
0: what's interesting about this line also is it's pretty much misquoted all the time because what he actually says in the movie is if you build it he will come meaning shoeless joe jackson most of us when we say it if you build it they will come right that that, it just became that with 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 the popular consciousness
1: I think that's so funny so I've only seen that scene once and I before I even saw that movie I already knew the line which is basically what we're saying in this entire podcast like it's a universal line that everyone knows like I, I just always knew that you know if you build it, they right, will come. Yeah. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, "Oh, this is what it's from." Never seen this before, but I already knew the line, you know.
0: Right, right. And you know, and, and the line itself, it really embodies what that film is about. That the, this the, that drove the main character Kevin Costner's character, you know, to do this to to do build this baseball diamond is in his on his farm, you know. And it was just, it was this driving need to do this and uh, and and have that. And I think he actually had. Uh, ended up play, getting to play catch with his dad at the end or something like that. I mean, like I said, I didn't see the movie, but man, I, I saw parts of it, mm-hmm. um, but but the line just transcended the film. That's yeah. the whole point of it Two. It
1: still does.
0: All right, Carrie, so your turn. Take your pick. All right.
1: All right. So my pick comes from Indiana Jones, and it is when Indiana it looks down and says, why does it have to be snakes? Snakes. Why did it have
0: to be snakes? Classic line.
1: Our hero in the movie has a fear. And I love that because, uh, you know, Indiana Jones is a heroic person. He is the hero of the movie, but he has this fear that's so human, like snakes. Like maybe he should have a fear of, you know, dying or getting caught being captured by nazis whatever but no it's snakes and i think that people kind of thought that was funny you know and um relatable and i really i really don't know why that transcends necessarily just i i feel like for me i remember watching it as a kid and being like yes i would be scared too like i would be scared of the snakes too you know um and I just like relating to that. And I think, I don't know how old I was when you showed me Indiana Jones. I don't remember. I mean, I was Probably young enough to where uh, you had to come back. Yeah,
0: no. But I think, I think what that is too, is that it really shows his character in that he had a fear, right? And mm-hmm. he goes through all this and to get to his goal, to get to the Ark of the Covenant, he has to face that fear. And he knows that. And he's just like, oh man,
1: why?
0: Anything else but this. But he does. He faces his fear. And that's kind of what we love about Indiana Jones, you know. Um, and what's really funny about this, I almost picked this one, too. Um, yeah. Good one, Kira. I like that.
1: Uh, yeah, that one's a good one. All right. And moving on to the next one.
0: Okay. My second selection. All right. I, I don't know if you know this one.
1: Okay. Some of them I didn't. <laughs>
0: help me help you jerry mcguire from jerry mcguire
1: <laughs> i don't know like i've never seen that ever like i've heard you say it but i have never seen that movie
0: well jerry Maguire is uh he's an agent for um athletes for professional athletes right and and in the scene he's trying to He's representing this uh, this superstar uh, football player, Rod Tidwell, I think. And this athlete is not helping his kid because because McGuire's trying to get him signed on and get a contract that he wants, right? A, a nice big contract with a team he wants. And th- this athlete isn't really helping with things he's saying and doing. And it's just frustrating Tom Cruise's character so much and he, and he goes and meets him, and he, and he, he just looks at him and he goes, Help me help you. <laughs> you know, my God, I'm trying to do something for you, man. Work with me, you know, that kind of thing. And, and um, it, that line kind of jumped out of that film, too, because I've said this in jest, half in jest and half real at my day job, And I've heard other people say it too, you know, it just, it just kind of fits. It's like, you're joking, but you're serious, right? It's like, Hey man, I'm trying to help you. You got to help me to help you. You know, and it just, it just transcends very well.
1: (laughs) What year was that movie? What year did that movie come out?
0: Uh, 90. I should have that in my notes, but I don't 90 something. It's late nineties, I think.
1: So I think that's really funny because uh, in the Santa Claus, with uh, Tim Allen. Yeah. Do you remember in that in the first Santa Claus when they go to the elf village and the the elf says, "Help me, help you."
0: I kind of remember that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I feel like it was it was like playing off of that, off of the fact that like people know that, yeah, so they placed it in there, yeah, which I think is super funny. But that's funny because I hear an elf in my head say it, say that <laughs> line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't hear Tom Cruise. You hear no. No,
1: I don't. <laughs> Generational differences here.
0: <laughs> All right, that's my number two. Kara, what is your number two?
1: All right, my number two is get to the chopper. No, no that's way. My two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever because see what? Predator?
1: No. <laughs> How do you know that? Uh, see, that's what I mean. Because it transcended does. the film. But it's so funny because, uh, like, if you hear anyone say that, even if you hear someone say that in a normal voice, like, get to the chopper, you're going to hear it in his voice, yeah. which I think yeah. is super fun. Like, it, yeah, you can't say get to the chopper in a normal voice. You have to say it like like he does. Get to the chopper!
0: Get to the chopper!
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, everyone knows that one, and – um. I've like literally known that one my entire life before I even knew where it came from, you know? Um, That is
0: so funny. I didn't know you knew that. So, I mean, I didn't know like your generation was, and that, and that's going to get us into some other episode later. Cause yeah, we'll save that, but it's another show we're going to do about. uh,
1: Generational gaps.
0: (laughs) Well, generation, but no, how, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah. Well that that kills. Yeah, that was
1: that was that was my second pick because um like I remember like you say that to your friends and they you know like it's just a part of conversation and everyone knows where it's from no matter if you've seen the movie, haven't seen the movie, whatever, you know.
0: Right, right. That's funny. That's exactly what I'm talking about though, with these with these lines. Okay, great. Right. All right, so
1: we're on number three, I think, right?
0: Yeah, my number third third and final pick.
1: All right. What is your third and final pick?
0: And here's one again. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie or if you know the line, but we're going to find out. You're going to need a bigger boat. Martin Brody? Oh, Jaws. Oh, uh,
1: Jaws. Right. Yes. I have great memories with Jaws. Yeah,
0: because that was such that was such a neat scene. Because uh, uh, Brody's out there and he just had some words with uh, Captain Quinn, you know, and he's in a bad mood. And Quinn told him to spoon the chum over the side to kind of draw the shark in and he's sitting there mumbling to himself and he's like yeah spooning the chum you know and he's throwing it in. and chum is like this cut up fish parts right and he's spooning it into the lake and as he's sitting there grumbling behind him you see the fit the shark head come up out of the water and he just looks at it and he realizes how big the thing is and he says that you know you're gonna need a bigger boat and um it, what's it's the like greater, a
1: moment of defeat. He's like, yeah. it's like,
0: It's like we're all out here in this little,
1: about. <laughs>
0: just about a dingy, you know. And but what's neat about that line is that it's it's been paraphrased and used in, in different ways and in different situations a lot. Like, and one time, one thing that really comes to mind is in Friends. You 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 know the the sitcom Friends, right, Kira?
1: Yeah, oh, one hundred percent.
0: There's an episode where um, Chandler is all suddenly in the bubble baths. And he's taking this bubble bath and he's got the little toy boat and he's like enjoying it and he's got his candles and everything. And then for some reason, I forget why, but all the friends storm into the bathroom with this big, you know, discussion going on, and he's trying to hide himself, you know, so they don't see him in the bath. And he just kind of says, Oh, I need a bigger boat,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, yeah, I love that so, one. Jaws is such a great the first time I saw Jaws was in a beach house, like right on the water during a tropical storm, and sea foam was literally flying through the air, hitting the windows, and we were watching Jaws. It was the perfect, it was a perfect atmosphere. Nice. It was wonderful. All right. Third and final one. So I'm going with you're killing me, Smalls, in the sand lot.
0: Oh, okay the classic.
1: Yes. I chose that one because I've only Okay, so a sand, the sandlot is another one that I've only seen once, but that one scene is like so funny. Shut up! You're killing me, Smalls. It's like I can still see his face. You're killing me, Smalls. And they even they make t-shirts they now yeah. with that scene on them. They're like graphic tees with that scene on them. And I feel like the I feel like the reason maybe that it transcended is because they're their kids saying it, and it's hilarious like to hear a younger person say that.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, and what's really funny about that is I didn't see the sandlot right when it came out. Like I saw it a couple couple years later, or a few years later, but I heard the line and people would say it. And I'm like, What is that from?
1: Like, what is that from? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and everyone and then I finally saw the movie. And I'm going, that's it.
1: Yeah. So, you used to yeah. say that to me when I was younger. And I used to think that you said it to me because I was small. I didn't actually know <laughs> what it meant. Like, I, I literally thought that it was because I was small. Yeah.
0: So that's exactly why we did this show. Because these movie lines just transcend the film. And they just worm their way into the popular consciousness. And and, and I just find that fascinating. And, and the whole reason that that happens, it all starts... With the lines being written, and they're written very well, right? Right. And and I guess there is a lesson in that. I mean, for for writers and in general, is that um, the dialogue that we write for our characters. I mean, we've got to stay true to who they are and the situation that surrounds them.
1: Yeah, because you never you can't plan. You can't plan for a line to be to be the one. You know, it has to resonate with the reader or the watcher, you really you just have to stay true to your characters and it, you know, it will happen. Right. Cause
0: you know, I think you and I have both read read stories or books where at some point the character says something that doesn't feel right and, and is forcing the story mm-hmm. in a certain direction that the author wanted it to go. And and you're thinking, huh? And it takes you, it, you like, yeah, that eh? yeah. yeah. it takes you out of the story. Right. And so that that's something to kind of always be watchful for you know, Always just remember who you're writing for, you know, who, who this character is. You know, right. And um, and stay true to that. And it always pays off. Mm-hmm. Another thing we, we kind of fall into sometimes is the info dumps. It, it's sometimes in our plot, we need to tell the reader a bunch of information. And we just say, okay, my main character, Johnny, say all this stuff so the reader knows what's
1: going on. That's not fun to read or write info. Yeah. Info, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and we got to be, uh, I guess, on guard against that. And sometimes you got to do, to some degree, you got to do some kind of information transfer. And I know that when I've faced this a couple of times, I always try to think, how can I make this interesting? You know, And if it's not my main character, if it's, if it's a secondary character who is delivering this dialogue, I mean, even them. I'm trying to give them something interesting about them or something about, uh, interesting about the way they're telling this information. Right. That, that, that mm-hmm. is more than just read these words. Cause you need to know it. Right. So, and how do, how do you do info dumps Kira? How do you handle that?
1: I try not to do info dumps. <laughs> That's how I handle them. Um, I feel like, uh, I don't necessarily try I don't ne- I don't try to have one character explain everything. I try to have it, you know, during conversation, I guess if I'm going to do it that way. But honestly, if I feel like I need to reveal a lot of information, I try to think like, okay, what do I need in this scene? What do they like what does the reader need to know now and what can I reveal later? So it doesn't feel Really heavy, because I mean I really I read a lot of fantasy, so I hate reading the beginning of a book and the first 100 pages is like world building. I'm like, I can probably learn this as I go, you know. So yeah, I honestly try to space it out between chapters and between dialogue. I just I don't really do like a let me set the scene, you know, with one whole. Yeah, well, no, I (laughs) like
0: what you said about you know I'm trying to space out the information maybe in a conversation because I've done that very thing when you said it it reminded me of occasions where okay it's in my head I go I got to get this information out like now and I and I write it and I and and then when I read it back it's like you know what that's that's kind of unnatural it's kind of like world stop listen to this and then we'll continue so Mm -hmm. at that point you know on these occasions I I, I've said how would this really Unfold in a conversation, like the person he's talking to. Maybe he would probably have probably have a question before he gets to the end of this. But you know what yeah. I mean. And so then I would.
1: And the questions help too. Like when they ask a question, you can answer it like with more information that the reader needs to know. Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know? You know, and that's and that's a more natural, organic way to get on because that's that's how we communicate that's how we talk to each other i mean we typically don't just sit there and let someone monologue for 15 minutes <laughs> you know? right
1: i can't stand a monologue i can't stand to read a monologue i yeah i feel like i really sh- i really sh- uh, shy away from writing that myself if i can help it
0: right right so yeah that's it Um uh, movies that, movie lines that transcend I hope everyone enjoyed a little conversation on it and hope everyone enjoyed episode three of the right note. Uh, We will be back. And like I said, the uh, the right note, we drop uh, a new episode uh, first Wednesday of each month. So be back. Uh, Follow us on the Instagram, the right note podcast,
1: the right note podcast. We
0: will update uh, show information. Uh, If we do a bonus episode, we'll put it up there. Uh, if you want to communicate with us that's, that's the way to kind of get a hold of us uh, whenever uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, hope to see you on our next episode remember keep your pen to the page and write on